What was I thinking? It's like I always say, slaves should just behave and... Shut up! I've had enough of this. You pissed me off, you son of a bitch! My, it's taken far too long. Tell me, who is going to avenge her if you don't? Forgiving him was never the option. Such is the scream of the other you that dwells with me. I am thou, thou art I. We can finally forge a contract. I hear you, Carmen. You're right! No more holding back! Welcome to episode 43 of the video game podcast, PlayStation Pals. I am your host, Nick, and I am joined by the Grogu to my Din Djarin, John. John, we're going to do it right, kick it off with a special announcement. Do you want to do, do the announcement? Or you, do you have any idea what I'm talking about? No, I'm more mad that you brought Star Wars <laughs> into a video game podcast that has nothing to do with video games. Uh, so no, Yet. I don't know what the announcement Yet. is. And also... Grogu is in Fortnite, so... It's, uh, no. <laughs> no. That is the biggest asterisk I've ever seen. No, what's the announcement, Nick? I, I don't know. Uh, well, you pitched this idea, so I thought we could officially oh, announce yeah, it. Uh, so now you know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about, yeah. All right, so since it's your idea, I'll, I'll give you the honors. Sure. So, you know, I never thought we'd make it this far, Nick. I never thought we'd... <laughs> last, you know, more than 10, 20 episodes. But here we are, staring number 50 in the face. You know, it's a couple weeks away. Um, so I thought it would be, you know, important and fun to do something a little bit special, a little bit different for it. So what better way to celebrate episode number 50 with trying to devise the PlayStation Pals top 50 games of all time? Big order. I know you're not the biggest fan of ranking things sometimes, especially when it gets into the weeds of, like, the 37th best game compared to the 38th best game. But... <laughs> You know, it's not a serious thing, right? It's just no. going to be our flavor, our favorites, you know. So there will be, you know, certain people that are probably going to be mad because it's not going to have every game in the world on the list. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just thought it would be fun to really kind of give the audience and um, for myself as well just like a, a good understanding of the most, you know, our favorite games together. And what we're going to try to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make my 50, Nick's going to make his 50, then we're going to get together and combine them to try and hash it out and then you know maybe down the road we'll like tweet our list separately so you guys can see those two if you wanted but um yeah that's kind of the idea for episode number 50 which is what mid-june well the plan is to start doing 10 every episode leading to 50 so we'll do you know 50 through 41 yeah on episode 46 and then keep going going so on episode 50 it'll be our top 10 favorite games of all time so which yeah we were gonna do all 50 as like for the 50 i think 50th i think but then it's like that's the middle of june that's probably like the one time we should leave the calendar pretty open yeah hopefully fingers crossed at least yeah there's gonna be events there's gonna be three big releases so yeah uh, we'll have a lot going on so this will probably work out better to space it out yeah yeah, but um, 
you know, I'm excited to do it. I, I, I love that kind of shit. And, um, you know, and then Nick and I will butt heads on, you know, what's better, Mass Effect 2 or Near Automata. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. you know, we'll have, to, we'll have some, of, some of that kind of stuff to, to deal with. You know, my love for Souls games is going to be hard for you to, you're just going to have to swallow it because those will be on the list. Yeah, so, I know, you know, I know. Just yeah. like what, I know. What concessions that, will I have to make just yeah. so I can get my games up there? Right. Just like I know that so. Batman Arkham Asylum is going to be on the list even if I wouldn't. Right. You know? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I respect you, Nick. Okay. Good. Hey, yep. You're Good. my beam. <laughs> watch RRR if you yeah. haven't. <laughs> no, I'm Ram. You're beam. No. No, no, no. <laughs> All right. But, yeah, so that's that's the plan for... Big number 50. Yep. So, yeah, we plan on getting that all fleshed out by episode 46. So stay tuned for that. So we have a lot to talk about this week, so let's just get right into it. This is how the show works. John and I both bring three things to talk about. It can be a video game we're playing, a news item, a topic, an email to PlayStationPalsPod at gmail.com, or a Twitter DM at PSPalsPod. Follow us there if you want updates on the show and again, we're going to continue with video games we're playing first. And John, kick it off. Yeah, so nothing new, but, <laughs> you know, we've returned to the lands between. I, uh, I've been fortunate enough. Uh, this, this week's been really kind of nice for me. Um, you know, my wife has been kind of busy doing her thing, which is great. You know, she's, um, you know, reading her books and kind of in the middle of that, which um, she's been a lull there. So it's allowed me to get some extra time in at night. And I'm happy to report that I'm continuing to make great progress with Elden Ring. You know, I I joked with some other guys uh, that I know who have beaten it. They're like, yeah, man, I think I'm close. I'm at like level 92. And they're like, I finished the game at 181. I'm like, all right, well, thanks for bursting my bubble. But it feels like I'm getting there. In fact, I sat at a, a site of grace the other night and... Um, and the, uh, I think Millennia, I think is who it is, who sometimes talks to you and kind of, she's like your narrator, right? Your guide. And she's like, all right, up ahead is the final push. We're almost there. But <laughs> it seems like it's a false summit, I guess. But um, no, I, I was able to do some of the big fights in the game, though. Um, you know, what I definitely want to highlight, at least here, is I was able to get to the Radon fight, um, which was... The one that I thought, you know, when we did our best boss fights of 2022, it was the one that I thought, like... You know, I heard it was great. It probably should be on this list, but I didn't feel comfortable doing it until I played it. And I'm happy to report that if I had played that fight, it I don't think it would have won just because of how good Garm was, but it would have been a, a heavy contestant for it. But anybody who's played Souls games, it was just one of those magical fights where, you know, it has everything. It has the epic music. It's the... Um, the way that the battlefield is set up is super cool for me because it's this big, barren, open field with Radon way off in the distance. He's this huge, hulking, armored-up dude that's you know a good 20 times higher than your character is, but he's riding this little tiny horse, which is hilarious, um, which also has extra lore implications that kind of make it cool, where he loved his horse so much, and he kept growing in size that he like learned gravity magic so he could reduce the amount of weight on the horse, which is just like, kind of funny little things. Um, but it was just, yeah, one of those fights where the music swelled, um, you're able to like summon seven or eight different NPCs, which felt a little cool because... Um, up until now, I, th- I don't think you've ever been able to summon more than one for a boss fight. So it felt cool. It felt like you were like kind of riding into battle with some 
with some buddies, especially when one of those buddies is that infamous pot guy that everybody's seen from the Elden Ring trailers. But, um, you know, epic fight that, that you know, got down to the point where they, they, he killed all my guys, so all of his attention's on me. Um, you know, two hits from him is going to kill you, so every time I get one hit, I'm, you know, panic rolling out of the way. Um, but was able to take him down, which, you know, well, one of the cooler boss fights I've, I've definitely ever fought in the Souls series. Um, yeah, you were so giddy about it. You had to show me, like, first thing. Yeah, I, 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 I rarely do this, but I snapped <laughs> the, the, you know, hit the little button on the controller to save it. Most Mostly because I wanted to show my son. He always loves it. He loves watching Elden Ring fights or Souls fights just because it always gets so <laughs> tense that, you know, I, I give him silly looks while he's watching. And he's like, are you going to win? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Which, of course, why would I save it if I wasn't a dumb kid? Just kidding. I love you, Levi. But, um, so, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I got him done. I got to Rickard, Rickard who is, um, you know, another one of the Elden Ring holders. Um, currently on the mountaintop of Giants right now, um, which I know is where, um, Millen- I just said Millennia, so it's not, Millennia is the, I don't know who the person at the campsite is now, Marika <laughs> or something maybe, but, so I'm about to fight, you know, Millennia, who is the, the undisputed hardest enemy in this game, so, you know, everybody says so I'm a little nervous about that but um, you know kind of everything holds true man um, I love I love my build that I've picked it's it's really and I'm not ashamed to admit it felt like it's kind of put the game on easy mode to make the fights a little bit more digestible I'm not worried so much about like am I gonna have to retread this landscape you know five times um, you know to just get back to the same fight only to lose within five seconds like everything seems manageable I don't think I've spent more time more than like seven or eight tries on a boss which is you know a good spot to be in I think uh, because it still does give you the sense of victory when you do it are a lot of people using this build that you're using? I think so I mean the Moonvale Katana is pretty unanimously decided is like maybe the strongest weapon in the game because okay. every weapon has a um like a special skill attached to it and this one basically you just shoot out a laser beam with your sword yeah, that I goes far away and it's basically like you have a incredible ranged melee attack mm-hmm. i know nick um nick you know the other nick we know i know he uh used it um i know a lot of people have so um, yeah, you know, but I'm not ashamed to admit it. Like, I'm happy I'm oh, doing I, it because, like, trying to just roll my way out of these scenarios would have been... I think some of the criticisms of the game is that because it's so difficult that a lot of people are funneled into these kind of builds. Yep. And, and these kind of weapons are more attractive because because of the game's difficulty. Because you're going to be in a fight with a millennia and you're going to be like, oh, fuck this. This is ridiculously insane yep. that I'm just going to use because I think it's like, yeah, it's like that and, like, the mimic yeah. summon... I just got the mimic uh, uh, last <laughs> night as well. That seems to be like what everyone funnels to because it's because the game is so difficult. So it is definitely a valid criticism. But what I will say as somebody who has played every Souls game is that I view it more as a it's just an option. It's it's a it's a way for the developers to kind of if you are looking for to to put your foot off the gas a little bit you can because there's infamous discussions around this this genre right of mm-hmm. should these developers put in difficulty modes to make the games more accessible and I am a very strong proponent and no they should definitely not mm-hmm. the game is as intended it is possible to beat if you don't use this build it's very possible it's just there if you want it and it to me it just makes the game a little more fun again because I am the dad that doesn't have the time right. to really devote to it um you know, and then it's an like, interesting and, way to think about it too is that maybe the builds and the weapons are 
setting your own personal difficulty. Like if you want a harder challenge, oh. there are weapons out there that are harder to use, harder to master. Just talk talk to the guy who beat Dark Souls with a banana, yeah. or, or the Guitar Hero controller. <laughs> yeah. It is very much yeah. that way. But like yeah. this, Elden Ring is just the the biggest and best example of allowing the player to have a little more agency with what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so so yeah, I mean you know ton of fun. Um, and yeah, and just the last thing I'll say is um, you know it's it's a uh, the game truly does shine when you're just exploring, and that's something that I'm trying to consciously do. Is I find myself sometimes just mainlining it to a T, where I'm just going onto a guide and be like, okay, it's. Uh, Radon, then it's Rickard, then it's Millennia, then it's the final boss, and I'm done. Where it's like, no, I'm just gonna set this down and I'm gonna look at an area of the map that maybe I don't have a lot of sights of grace and go over there and see what I can find. And that's when, you know, the really, really, um, game really shines. And it's interesting because, like, there are moments of when I'm playing this where I'm like, is this too long? Because, like I said, man, it's like if I'm, you know, I, if I'm, I think I'm 70 hours maybe, and that's, mm-hmm. that's, a little miscued because I started the game a couple times. Like I've been playing in weird types of ways, so I would say it's not that accurate. But like, is it starting to get too long? But other times I'm like, no, this game could be a thousand hours, and that's fine because like <laughs> that's what this experience is. Like it's very replayable. I would love to go back and play New Game Plus if I could, but I, you know, that would just be foolish. So, um, but I'm getting there. I, I am. I, you know, as. I don't know if we'll discuss later in the show, but you know, I did just get Nick's copy of Resident Evil 4 that I want to get through, so I'm hoping I don't have to put this on hold too much, but I probably should. We'll see, but I think I will have Elden Ring beaten this year at least. Yeah. You know, I, can, I can count on that. <laughs> I think if you keep up this pace, you'll have it done, yeah. hopefully by Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah, yeah. So, so. it is a little like almost upsetting that I'm gonna, I would go from this to that, though, because it is like kind of two <laughs> similar games, but... Right. Uh, you know, so, but um, is there anything that that I can that w- this game can ever do, Nick, to get you to play it, or is it it's just it's just a no? Maybe one day I'll I'll be like, can I just borrow it to try it when like? Because I'm convinced. I I do think you're better than I am at video games. Like not by a lot, but I think like you know between our time playing, it takes two, and you know overcooked and things. It's like your our skills are at least comparable. And if I can do this, you can do this. And unless if you just hate if you just hate everything else about it, right. But like you know, if you do the dedicated builds and follow a guide to make sure you're getting the things you need, like it's such a cool experience. So we'll see. Yeah, but <laughs> but you know, from one ten out of ten game to the other, you know, let's talk about yours, Nick. You know, I know you're. I'm. I, I'm. Honestly, I knew you were gonna like it. I didn't know you would like it this much. So tell me about uh, your, well, your travails as a fan. Let's of talk about Resident Evil Four really quick. Mm. John just teased. Okay. I did give him the copy, and it is not because I beat Resident Evil 4, it is because I decided to take a break from it. And that's funny, considering it's not a very long game. Um, (laughs) I'm in Chapter 10, and I found myself hate playing the game. Like, playing it and not enjoying it. We just lost a listener. Will (laughs) is not going to listen to us anymore. (laughs) Playing it because um, I want to just... Check a box. Yeah, I want it. I want it yeah. done. I want it off my plate. I want to get it out there. Yep. And you know, and maybe it's because I played Resident Evil two and three back to back earlier this year. Maybe it's because I'm and I Dead played, Space. <laughs> yeah, and another horror game, Dead Space. Or maybe it's because I played through Resident Evil four before that I know what's going to happen. I know how this story is going to shake out. So as it's hitting the similar plot beats, I'm just like, oh yeah, I remember this. I remember this. Mm-hmm. This has happened before. Or maybe. 
it is because I'm playing on the other end one of the greatest games of all time <laughs> that I've ever played. <laughs> and when you're doing that, wow. you you just don't want to play Resident Evil 4. So <laughs> That's how I feel with other games. I was like, I don't really want it, but I guess I'll take it. <laughs> so obviously that game is Persona 5 Royal. Uh, I continue to play it. I'm about 50, over 50 hours in now. I just finished the boss for Mind Palace 5. And I, I've been enjoying the game a lot so far anyway, but it was really Mind Palace 4 and that whole arc. Um, I won't get into spoilers too much just here. Just give but me, uh, like, a... Is that... Is that um... It's Futaba. Okay, yep. So up until this point, all the Mind Palaces uh, in this game, you go enter Mind Palaces, and they're the, the kind of dream worlds of and cognitive worlds of really evil people. As I mentioned on this very show, the first guy was a volleyball coach who was abusing, physically abusing his male students, sexually harassing his female students. And the next two mind palaces kind of sit in that same way. Like they're just a person that's taking advantage of people, really evil adults. But mind palace four kind of flips the script and it's someone completely different. And I'll just leave it at that. Um, that I was just like, wow, I'm just, I'm loving this. I'm just loving this arc. I'm loving all these relationships. Uh, I went to Hawaii. That oh, was fun. I, I was waiting for you to go to Hawaii. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it was cool. I was like, oh, shit, I'm going to America. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and just that I just, as John had mentioned, like you really do feel part of the group. And, yeah, it's just such a such a great story and such great characters all around that you're just, I'm just I'm compelled to keep playing. I like like, I'm going to get the Platinum, I'm going to finish this game, and... <sighs> and then you're going to Persona 4? No. <laughs> Ever? No, I don't... I'll have to look up videos of it. Yeah. I, again, that's a much older game, so... I don't. It, know it is, I but I've also... I, I think it's... From what I've heard, it's... Five is just a little more stylish. Like, that's that's it. Okay. It's very similar with all everything else. Okay. So, you know. But that's for another discussion. And and another thing that I've, I've really enjoyed is the the confidence in, in general who are who are your party members but not the, just limited to that there's the, like the confidants confidants okay sorry. no i just wanted to yeah, I was like, <laughs> the confidence you know there's like the, the 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 old guy that's running for office there's the doctor oh yeah that guy <laughs> uh there's and they keep adding more and more throughout the game that guy is the worst politician ever isn't he he's just like <laughs> he's the one that's like really unsure of himself well, or like he, he did something in the past. Yeah, and, he and was he was involved in political scandal in the past, yeah. and he's kind of on this redemption arc. But it does have a satisfying end. Yeah. Uh, to to that, but I found that a I'm also enjoying all of them. Like they are all great. You know, um, even <laughs> even though it is a little disturbing that every female adult relationship you have. By the end of it, you end up sleeping with them <laughs> as a high school student. Teenage fantasies, man. Teenage <laughs> dreams. You so, never had a teacher you wanted to sleep with? Come on. But, uh, uh, yeah, it's just weird that that's how they all end. It's like, oh, like yeah. our bond is so strong. Sure. That, uh, yeah, I don't, the age thing, yeah, even when you're on, in Hawaii, and one of one of the confidants is your teacher, and, of course, she sleeps with you. And... So, if the pinnacle of male and female relationships is sex, <laughs> what's the pinnacle of the male-male relationship? <laughs> Nothing. It just it just finishes. Is that, is that when you put somebody on your shoulders and you fight other people? Like yeah. an RR? Yeah. Okay. That, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, but the, all those people are, all those people are great, even despite, like, the disturbing female relationships. 
um, that uh, results from it. But I also love how they've intermixed personas, the confidence, and the battle system. And what they do that's really smart is when you hang out with these confidence, you get more, your bond goes up faster if you have a persona that is of the class of the confident you're talking to. Mm-hmm. And then when your bond grows with that confident, now that gives you more experience points when you're merging uh, personas and vice versa. So you have this like symbiotic relationship that like you're always like, oh, I'm going to go hang out with the sun guy, the politician who's the sun confident. I'll make sure I have a sun uh, persona and then our bond increases faster and, and vice versa. So it's just it's like this cool symbiotic thing. And then when you get the confidence up, they unlock abilities that you can use in combat. So you're you can like the politician, you can negotiate better with personas if you want to capture them. And it's just this beautiful system that I wasn't like, I didn't realize it very early on. Yeah, it's not explained very well. No, no, but because when you're talking with these people and you choose like a right answer, you get like these blue harmony notes and that's your bond increasing faster. And I wasn't paying attention to the fact that you know, when I had the persona on in, on my person, that those I would get more of those notes hmm. during the conversation. I was just like, when I finally did realize, like I was like, oh, you motherfuckers! <laughs> and they do say it. It's like, oh, I have persona blank. Yeah. When I hang out with this person, their bond will go stronger. Like the, the hints were there. I just, I just, it just wasn't registering to me. Like I was just like, okay, yep, I got it. Yep, I have that persona, but. Yeah, it's also the fifth game of the franchise, so I guess you know. Like, I guess, uh, like I said, I think they're all very similar in, the, in those ways. But um, it was funny, and and, and then just well, a quick little side story because I was playing last night. Is I was facing the mind ba- the mind palace five final boss, and I got is that stuck. the one in the desert? No, it's, it's not the a, guy in the space suit. Hmm. Okumaro. I'm sorry, Futaba's Futaba's was the desert. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, and he was, and he kept summoning these, these robots. He summoned four robots, and you had to kill them all at once. And if you didn't kill them all at once, he would resummon the four robots. Hmm. And I got stuck. Like I was just, even though I knew their weaknesses, I wasn't outputting enough damage, and I was oh, no. pissed. I was getting very upset. Yeah, JRPGs are good at that. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Similar thing happened in like a dragon, where I'm just cruising along, yep. and then I hit a boss fight, and my teammate, my team gets stomped. Yeah. And I'm like, what the hell just happened? And similar here, I was just not outputting enough perf- damage. You were perfectly situated. <laughs> so it was like I, like I took a breath, I leveled up a little bit, went back, and went through it. But I was like, God, I just hate when that happens. It's like yeah. no, no enemy in that whole palace gives me any trouble. Yep. And then I'm going through this boss, no problem. But then he gets to this one wave of robots, and it's just like... Yeah, Can't I don't do think it. any genre has difficulty worse difficulty spikes than JPGs do for whatever <laughs> yeah. reason, man. They, they've never they've never been balanced well. I remember my favorite Final Fantasy X getting to the Seymour fight for I don't I think a Seymour three. I, I remember trying to break my controller in half when I was twelve years old, like because I just had and like it was it, it was in the era too of unskippable cutscenes, so you had I had to yeah. watch the same <laughs> fucking cutscene, probably seven minute cutscene every time. Mm. It was, yeah. Uh, and I will give props to Persona 5 for having a fast forward mode that actually is just like zooms through everything. Yeah. Like, it, like it does play through all the cutscenes and you can't technically skip them, but you fast forward them and they're like, it's a blink of the eye. It's like neon white, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's a, a very nice feature. So, so again, I do not hate Resident Evil 4. I just think the timing was really bad 
of playing Persona 5 before this and just wanting <laughs> to play that more than anything else. It's so funny because how long have you been talking about trying Persona 5? <laughs> <laughs> it's like finally. Almost as long as I've known you. That's yeah. like for you do it. You start. a few years. So yeah, just the time was right and the, the, the oh. PS5 version runs great. and. I think you're playing it at a good time, though, because I think we are on the precipice of hearing about Persona 6 soon. Like, yeah. You know, this because this, yeah. this is a 2016 game, seven years ago at this point. Yeah. We're ready to at least get here an announcement. Yeah, and, so. and there's going to be a lot of conferences in May and June here, yeah. or teased at least, yeah. that we assume they're going to be there. And yeah, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised to see Persona 6 at... Would that immediately launch to the top of your most anticipated? Well, besides we'll Wolverine, <laughs> yeah, 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 well, yeah, Wolverine would probably still be number one, and then yeah, that and Phantom Liberty are up there. Yeah, um, and yeah, no, it's, it's 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 fantastic. It's I highly recommend it. Even if like I've said on this very show, I'm not a fan of JRPGs typically, but this one kind of bucks a lot of the th- trends mm-hmm. in those that I don't like. You know, even though this is you know it's a bunch of kids. You know, fighting, and I'm assuming eventually going to have to save all of Japan. Um, <laughs> that <laughs> right it, it just makes it makes sense. Just the the writing it makes it work, like because yeah. they're it's all cognitive. It's all the they have the, the personas. The, the stakes they, feel real. It's mm-hmm. real world setting as opposed to mythical land with amnesia boy that doesn't speak. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, with, the, with princess that needs to be saved. It it does some of those things, mm-hmm. but dresses them in a way that makes more sense I feel right. like with it in combination with the writing and things right and yeah and don't let this don't let those you know I've talked about the the schedule is like at a 10 of like oh what am I gonna do today there's 30 things I can do it's very very manageable I'm upgrading I've got all my skills except one to max so and that's and that's the one thing that's always turned me off on it and I, I think it is like an into the breach situation where I just need to power through it the yeah. one, like until I get to the point where I go oh, like you just said oh it's not a big deal it's fine. Like whatever. I don't have to. This doesn't have to. I don't have to min-max this. Like right. I'll, I'll be able to to get what I need when right. I need it. Yeah, the game gives you plenty of time to get it all done. So, so it, yeah, it's it's a phenomenal game. It's obviously reviewed well. It's obviously doing very well. It has its fandom, so I don't really yeah. need to say much more. Ninety-four about that. on Open Critic. But, so, so this is your. <laughs> this has got to be your early game of the year leading game. Yes. If 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 everything, if the plan is the same as last year, this would be definitely right. the one to beat. Like, right. it would be very hard. Okay. Okay. We'll see. Love it, man. Love it. <laughs> All right. So, moving on, last week we talked about E3 being dead. And she gone. <laughs> <laughs> and as we talked about last week, John and I are big fans of E3. We love the idea of a centralized location where publishers face off against each other and try and have the best, better showcase, you know. And it was, it was always nice to know that for one week, there was going to be a ton of things you didn't know about. It was the Nerd Super Bowl. Yeah, 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 it really is. It was the Nerd Super Bowl. So I wanted to talk, now that E3 is dead, about our favorite E3 moments. Now, John and I had not shared them with each other, so it's going to be... Might be some overlap. Yeah, there could be... A, we got to come up with a term if we have the same one. I know, Shapoopy. Like a boondoggle. <laughs> boondoggle. <laughs> sure. Um, but uh, I brought three. Did you bring more? Of course. Oh, you always do. Yeah, I have seven. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. They're not ranked. Are yours ranked? No, no, no. I just picked three because this is a show in which we bring three things. But um, 
Listen, we've established right. on the show that I have choice paralysis. Right, we'll, we'll, and then go, I add. we'll go one by one. Okay. But you'll, and then I'll go. Since you, and then you'll finish off, but you can go first since you have more. So what is your first oh, favorite right. E3 moment? So my, my history of the E3 is not as extensive as yours, I don't think. Like, I really started watching it probably in 2014 or 15. Okay. Um, but when I think of E3, the first thing I always think of was the God of War. You know, God of War always comes up on the show. The God of War reveal... Uh, trailer from 2016 Sony's conference. It, they started it with the actual orchestra playing the fucking epic God of War music. You didn't know what it was at the time, you know, and it was a good two to three minutes. They brought out this weird lady who just started making guttural grunting noises and I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> um, but yeah, and then it, it, it went up into the, the screen and you got to see Atreus playing with like a wooden doll or something and just, you know, hearing the voice of Kratos, which at the time sounded much different in in the cabin, not knowing really who it was and how he emerges from the shadows. And it goes right into a nine minute gameplay presentation <laughs> that was fucking awesome. Just immediately, immediately told me that this game will be day one for me. I love the series. I love this new direction. I love that the camera angles right there. I love that there's a new weapon. I love there's a new setting. Like everything about it just spoke to me and um, just combined with the presentation of it all was really, really cool. And uh, that's, yeah, that's the number one moment I always think of when I think of E3. Yeah, that, that E3 was just Sony, uh, so confident. They had yeah. so many big wins. Big, big dick moments. Yeah, 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 they, yeah they, and they came, they came and. <laughs> Stop <laughs> using sexual innuendos. <laughs> so, and I don't want to say what the other ones were, just in case there are other ones of yours, so we can just move on. Sure. But that was, yeah, a very good E3 for Sony overall. Yep. Um, first one, of course, I'm going to bring, I talked about it last week. This is Microsoft E3 2019, in which it started off with a CG trailer for Cyberpunk 2077, who again showed up the year before at Microsoft's E3 conference and hacked the end of it to show off a trailer for the game. So here we have another trailer for the game. Again, this is from CD Projekt Red. Makers of Witcher 3, most anticipated game of the year. It really doesn't have to do much. Yeah. But uh, during this trailer, your character gets shot in the face. They wake up in looks like a wasteland. And you get these, this famous line, wake up, samurai. And there's this guy. He takes off his glasses. And it's Keanu fucking Reeves. <laughs> like, Keanu Reeves is in this game. And then... To add on to that, to everyone just having their minds blown, is the wall comes up and Keanu Reeves is there. And it was probably the most, the biggest, the last biggest E3 moment. I don't think you'll have one since then because there hasn't been E3 really. Yeah. <laughs> and it just blew everyone away. This is where the your breathtaking comes from. That's what I have written down. I just wrote your breathtaking. <laughs> <laughs> so I did have that on my list. Oh, okay, good. Boondoggle. <laughs> so... Yeah, it was just, again, a game that did not need this. It does not need Keanu Reeves, but it got him. We know what happened after, that he was such a huge part of the game. And just, again, like no one in the world would have could have predicted that Keanu Reeves was going to be in the game. It'd be at the press conference. It was yeah. it was something else. Yeah, and you know now we get Idris Elba coming up soon, which is yep. pretty fucking cool, too. Yeah, maybe he'll show up <laughs> at the E3 conference this year. Maybe. I mean, yeah, I'd, we just need a fucking date for that thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. They don't, they don't have to sell it too they much. They said anymore. news in June about it, so yeah. that June is probably when Microsoft's conference is going to be. So. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. So 
Another thing um, that I always think of, and this isn't so much probably an E3 moment, but one of my favorite creative groups back in the day, I don't really follow them anymore, but was the Easy Allies. And formerly, uh, the Easy Allies were game trailers. And that was, you know, Brandon Jones, Kyle Bossman, uh, Brad Ellis, um, Michael Huber, people like that. And in 2015, they were having a little, you know, a little like live stream and Sony unveiled Final Fantasy VII Remake. And Moondoggle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the way the way that the trailer was structured combined with the giddiness and sure out like unfiltered joy that they these guys had on camera, just like you cannot watch this moment without smiling. Like Bradley Ellis, I think he said his favorite game of all time is Final Fantasy C7. Michael Huber loves it a lot as well. Sony infamously did that PS3 tech demo for Midgard, I think, back in the day where everyone was like, oh, they're going to make it again. And like, they're like, no, this was just a tech demo to show you the... So, like, even when they were watching it, you know, seeing all the music, seeing Midgard, seeing Barrett's, you know, gun, Gatling gun hand, Cloud's sword, they were still like, no, this is a this is a movie. This is something else. And just when the word remake came on the screen, they lost their minds. And you see... You know, you see that childlike excitement and enthusiasm come out that we all get when you see the things that you want, like I had with Hades too. And uh, so that was the main thing. It's also an amazing video, which I highly recommend you all go to watch because then right after that, they unveiled Shenmue 3, which I don't give a shit about, but Michael Huber does. And he breaks down crying, like from <laughs> happiness. And so um, just a really, that video is a perfect encapsulation of why I'm sad E3 is not here anymore. And it's not to say we won't get moments like that, but it's like it, it's like they were there because they were ready, because they knew big things were going to be shown off, because mm -hmm. they knew that this is where the the um, big boys come to play. And um, yeah, yeah, watch that video if you're into video games. It's it's joy. Because it was also one of those things that I never thought was going to happen. I know, like building up to that, it was a lot of people's wish list for a remake of that game. Well, and I mean, it, even prior to that, what remakes were even like that? Right. Right, and and just like and just the idea of remaking Final Fantasy VII, like that's not a small game by any means. That's not a Resident Evil Four or a Dead Space. You're talking a, bringing a you know fifty plus hour RPG to modern consoles. You know, it mm -hmm. seemed impossible at the time, and yet you know here we are. We Final Fantasy VII remake has come. We got Final Fantasy VII Rebirth coming. You know, probably one of the most anticipated games too. I always forget about it. That's also on my list of most yeah. anticipated games. Um, but yeah, that 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 was a shocking moment. That was a shocking Sony press conference because they had three of them. It was the year of dreams, right? Yeah. Uh, Last Guardian was the other one. <laughs> yeah, Last Guardian was the other one. So, just kind of three dream projects all of a sudden just pff, yep. back yep. materialized. <laughs> so yeah, that that was on my list as Good. well. So so I'm just down to one now. Okay, go for um, it. So my other one is from E3 2013, Sony. I think I know what this is. I think this is a, I think this is a boondoggle, but go on. <laughs> and this is an infamous moment because at the time, competitor Microsoft yep. was pushing the Xbox One and making every dumb decision on the planet with it, boxing it with Kinect, making it always online. And the big thing they messed up with is at no matter what game you bought, whether physical or digital, you could not trade it. You could not sell it to someone. It was yours forever. Nick could not have let me borrow Resident Evil 4. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they were going to try and get away with this. And just to put your mind in that, that 
that time period is like people hated GameStop. Developers hated GameStop because GameStop would take you know your game and then resell it for an upcharge and they would get none of that profit on the resale. So they were doing everything they could. This was all the day one passes, all the things they would do with pre-order bonuses up the wazoo for you to get a game early. That was and, such a gross time. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so Microsoft thought they were doing the right thing. And, you know, obviously this was a very much hated thing. It eventually did not make it into the console, but Sony destroyed them in one 20 second video uh, that featured at the time, it was- um, I know it was Shohei. Yep, it was Shuhei Yoshida. Shohei Otani, yeah, okay, sorry. (laughs) The Sony president at the time, and Adam Boyce, who was from some uh, Sony Computer Entertainment of America, and it was just a 20 second video of how you share games on PS4, and it's just him handing the physical (laughs) disc to Adam Boyce. Mic drop. Yep, and that was it, game over. And really, the rest is history. Like I, though all those decisions are still felt now. Like Microsoft has been playing catch up this whole time from yeah. that mistake. Like Sony PlayStation Four just blew Xbox One out of the water. Uh, the competition's a little more even now thanks to Game Pass. But still, it, I mean, PS Five still. I don't. You know, we we don't know Microsoft's numbers. They never reveal them. But I think they're still selling. A good forty percent more. Yeah, so it's just something that they've they've dealt with for a very long time, and yeah, and Sony just did the right thing. You know, as much as people think Sony's anti-consumer because they don't want this (laughs) Activision Blizzard purchase to go through, that uh, that uh, yeah, they did that. They did that solid for everyone, and Microsoft had to follow suit. There was no way that they were going to get away. I mean. Xbox would have really been dead. Could you imagine, yeah, if Sony said, <laughs> okay, we're doing that too? Like, what if, oh, that would suck, dude. Yeah, that was that was incredibly dumb. And, like, you know, Don Matrick was the head of Xbox at the time. He is still in that ecosystem, man. They, they hate that guy so much. He... <laughs> Because he was doing interviews at the time too, of like you know people asking the questions like, well, what do you what do you say to the people who have either poor internet or maybe not access to that? Right. Like, what What are they going to do? They're like, well, we have a device for that. It's called the Xbox 360. It's like, fuck you, man. Like that's not <laughs> that is not the kind of crowd that the video game people are. We want yeah. the new shiny box. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I, I that was a boondoggle. I had that one as well. <laughs> All right. I'm out. Um, okay, so I don't have a lot to say about these last three. I just had to. Two of them are kind of negatives, but I, they, they're one makes me laugh. The other is just ridiculous. Um, the the live Wii music performance was so bad <laughs> that yeah. it's just it just you know kind of it's the most cringy thing you'll ever see. But it's very memorable. that is overall probably one of the worst press conferences I've ever sat through. Yeah, and really, I'm, I'm not a Nintendo fan anymore, and it really was the Wii on. And this was one of those things. Is like I cannot. They, they believe closed people. the show with that too. Yeah, yeah. And I cannot believe. I couldn't believe at the time. Like they, they brought out like four people to play a song on stage, and it was just the worst, the cringiest <laughs> thing ever. So I just wanted to bring that up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sony re- famously Sony revealing the cost of the PS3 is just a moment that is just like oh, yeah, oh, oh, oh man. And, you know this is 599, right? And this is a time where Xbox was launching a 299 model and a 399 model. So, you know, it that's uh The only caveat I'll put on that is they won the HD 
war because they, they were it, it, the reason it was priced so high is because it included a blu-ray drive it ended up being the best blu-ray player mm-hmm. and at the time microsoft brought it was backing hd dvd but they weren't packing it in with the 360 it was yeah, a, separate like a separate add-on. drive right yeah. yeah it was a separate add-on and eventually sony won they won that battle and they that's were, kind of how sony always has operated right it's like they kind of view themselves as a more premier yeah, the PS2 think, so. had a DVD player yeah. in it. Yep. It's yeah. so like you know we're gonna, we might be a little more expensive, but we're going to show you why that matters. So but yeah, while it was, was still very infamous. Yeah, yeah, it, it ended up paying off in the end. Yep. Uh, that choice. So yeah, but it, it's it is interesting, you know, between the Xbox thing and that, it's like, and almost even now with Sony seeming a little bit cocky based on their positioning with trying to block this Activision deal. It's like, if you can almost guarantee that like whichever console manufacturer was like leading in the one before it, they're gonna get cocky and they're gonna fuck up something the next one. And then it just it just keeps going. So, um, you know, I don't know if Sony will be able to ma- maintain that. But They always make each other better though. That's kind of- It is. That's like you cannot, that's you cannot hate Sony or Microsoft if you're on one side of the console war because you, the things that you enjoy about your current console are there because of the why do you think we got PlayStation Extra (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly we got PlayStation Extra if Game Pass didn't exist exactly Um, and then the last thing I want to mention just this is a very heartwarming moment that um, you know is another reason why video games are awesome is uh, when um God, why can't I think of his name? I didn't write his name down because it's so easy. Who's the play, the Mario Zelda guy? Morimoto? Yeah, Miyamoto. Miyamoto, sorry. When Miyamoto came out on stage and they talked about Mario Rabbids and you know he's yeah. talking about the game and he just basically mentioned how proud he was of the game and how uh, the creative director did a really good job and they panned to the director in the crowd and he stood up and he was crying because he's said many times that Miyamoto's his like idol and and you know it's just one of those moments where it's just like fuck yeah, dude, and he, like good on you. You know he went yeah. and he. Tried to make something unique and different. Got the blessing from Nintendo, the blessing from Miyamoto, and then to have him go on stage and be like, "Yeah, good, good fucking job, kid." Is just like, yeah, yeah that's pretty, pretty. Yeah, that dope. was at Ubisoft too. That yep. was that was Miyamoto coming out on the Ubisoft stage yeah. and doing that. And yeah, I, I, I mean, if that was my job and that guy, the yeah. legendary guy like that, was saying I did a good job, I'd break down too. I'd be a mess. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, that was that was that is definitely up there. That's a good one. That reminds me of the the girl too, the Bethesda Tokyo Ghostwire Tokyo girl too. Oh yeah, the Tango GameWorks. Yeah, yeah, that everyone yeah. loved because so Indian. same thing. Just you know, sometimes when you can get these developers on stage and just bring out that passion, like it just it's always great. Absolutely, it's a great moment. So, alright. So cool. bye E three. Nice to know so you. Hopefully, we'll have some good moments. Uh, in this upcoming Summer Game yeah. Fest yeah, area. Hopefully in 10 years we have a segment of favorite Summer Game Fest moments. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll see. All right, so we're going to do a quick news roundup. There were uh, quite a few news items, some updates to some games, some Sony news, um, and we'll cover them all. Uh, the first one is that the PlayStation Store now has accessibility tags on the PS5. So if you are a developer and you put a game up there, Sony has now given you access to over 50 accessibility tags. So if you have any impairments, whether visual, audio, or control, uh, it just you can you can search them now. And uh, there's not really much to say on that other than it's awesome. You know, that's kind of Sony keeps leading the way. It was a big part of why I thought The Last of Us Part One had to exist because they put a lot of effort into the accessibility options for that game. And now it just makes gaming easier for everybody. Yeah, I think colorblind people shouldn't be able to play video games. Oh, okay. <laughs> just kidding. No, so that said nobody ever. <laughs> so yeah, that's pretty cool. 
pretty awesome. Um, Glad to see there's a, a big initiative in the industry world or, you know, industry-wide that's doing that. Right. Um, and now we got another, uh, I don't know, my brain is losing it. It's Friday night and I'm lo- my brain's fried, so. Uh, <laughs> God of War Ragnarok, our game of the year, or John's game of the year specifically, one of my top games of well, last John, year. You can't backpedal now. <laughs> <laughs> is is finally gotten new game plus so you can access this now uh, it can it comes with a not just the ability to replay the game it but it gives you new there's new armor there's ways to hamper yourself to make it more challenging you know if you played the game on the hardest difficulty and that wasn't enough for you <laughs> you know you, you can do that uh, there's more challenge rooms uh, you can you can kind of equip yourself and with different companions now when you do these uh fight these boss challenges uh so you can have any a companion that was in the game before you know you, so you can be Kratos uh, with Thor yep Kratos with Thor Kratos with Sindri stuff like that stuff that you didn't do before and just kind of a bunch of great enhancements to the game it's it's pretty beefy um I, I know the answer to this, John, but any chance you go back? No, I, I wish there was. Um, you know, I have a very firm rule. If I've platinum the game, I don't know how you can get me to go back and play it. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's really cool. You know, good job, Sony Santa Monica, to kind of, you know, go above and beyond with what you needed to do there. But it is just a bummer that, you know, when you have a game that you love so much that you have to play it day one, it's like you, you're, almost, you're almost handicapping yourself, but it's... Yeah. I'm not. I don't regret playing it day one. It's just kind of a bummer. But no, I I, I got my fill of Ragnarok. I'm ready to either <laughs> see what Kratos is up to next, or um, you know, let him rest for a little bit. So sure. Yeah. Yeah. The Atreus adventure that we know is probably coming. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So moving on, our next news item is from Xputer. They noticed that Sony patent. A hot and cold controller. (laughs) So Sony looks to be improving on haptic feedback, and so they want a controller that will get hot and get cold, uh, depending on when a game developer wants you to feel that. So this may never turn into a product, but it is interesting to think about. You know, we already get the feedback from the triggers and the controller itself. It's got a built-in microphone. It's got the touchpad. Now we could also, you know, even just the idea of just cooling your hands when they get sweaty, you know, and that or warming them up, I have poor circulation. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're getting all sweaty from the Rocket League match. You're you're making it up in a tournament. There you go. You know, I'm waiting for uh, I'm waiting for Sony to unveil their um, PS5 diapers that have haptics <laughs> on on your groin. <laughs> That's what I'm waiting for. <laughs> No? Is that a bad idea? I mean, you want a console to sell out again. Hey, man. Gran, Turismo, make his, Gran Turismo 7. It just makes you vibrate. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what people want it for. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so it's kind of interesting what they could do with such an option. But, again, who knows if this will ever make it. It's just, you know, a patent at this point. Sure. All right, and so the next one is pretty interesting. So the MTV Movie Awards are coming and in it, they have nominated one of our favorite shows of the year, The Last of Us. It is up for best show, but... <laughs> that's it, though, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it. But it's also up for best kiss. And you may be asking, when did anyone kiss? Oh, I don't think anybody's was asking it, was that. It, was, it, was it Maria and Tommy? 
No. 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 Who, oh, Riley. Riley Ellie. No. <laughs> Bill. Yeah. Bill Frank. Could be Bill Frank. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. Bill Frank Could was Bill a great Frank. kiss. Yeah. No. 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 They nominated <sighs> Tess and the Infected Fungal Man. Yeah. That go. You know the Cordycep kiss, as uh, was in episode two of the Last of Us show. Um, and we learned who that actor is, so it is Anna Torv and Philip Prajou? Prajou? P-R-A-G-O-U-X? Prajuda? Yeah, so I don't understand how this made it, if they wanted a silly option. I think it would be hilarious if it won. I think it's going to win. <laughs> I think it's one of those moments like when Canada asked, hey, I want you guys to name our next boat and they named it Shippy McBoatface or whatever. So I think it'll be, it'll get a lot of troll votes for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's definitely interesting. All the rest of them are just pretty standard kisses. Like I said, like you said, I think Bill and Frank would definitely be, probably should be the real answer to it. But uh, here we are. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I'd be curious. Do you know, Nick, how the nominations are made? Is it, no, is, are those fan voted as well? I don't follow this at okay. all. I know, I know they, they like to be a little more sillier. I think I think it's just a situation where they realize that, yeah, if we include this, we're going to get a little bit of coverage on IGN. We're going to get podcasts talking about it, AO <laughs> like us. Yeah. And, um, and then I think it's going to have a little snowball effect and win. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of what I think. Yeah. But then again, you did have, what, Selena Gomez and Cara Delvigny. They're, yeah. you know, they're nominated and... Very good-looking women, um, so you know we'll, we'll see. But uh, I'm, I'm, I would call it right now. It's going to win. Okay. Yeah. I guess we'll, we'll know. I don't remember when the MTV awards are, but if they if that does win, we'll have to talk about yeah. it because yeah. that'll be that'll be pretty wild. We'll give a little shine to it. <laughs> and our final news item: Resident Evil Four has gotten a free update today. Nice. The Mercenaries mode, which was featured in the game initially is back as a free DLC to Resident Evil 4. Uh, right now, it's only Leon. I believe in the previous, in the original Resident Evil 4, you could play as Wesker and Ada. They are not playable in this, but I believe people have data mined that they're gonna be coming, but at this time, it's just, just Leon. So it's just, if you haven't heard of Mercenaries mode, it's kind of like a time attack mode where you're trying to get a higher score. You're gonna be attacked by every enemy in the game. You're gonna have access to the simple weapons, but if you run around the map, you can get more and more weapons. Oh, that's cool. um, yeah, it's a fun little mode. It's it's not going to keep your attention very long, but yeah. I'm sure there will be plenty of people competing for the best scores, and you know you'll see a lot of the best runs out there. So yeah, it's cool. cool. Out today, as you're listening to this, you can get it. Sick, so. dude. That's sick, but all right. That's it for my news items. All right. John, what are you bringing next? Uh, this one's uh, this is an interesting one, Nick. So. <laughs> Uh, April 5th, two days ago, got a rumor, but it seems like a pretty substantial rumor. This is reported from insider-gaming.com, which is Tom Henderson's website. He is one of the more well-known, you know, insiders out there. He's no he's no Jason Schreier, but he's a, you know, Jeff Grubb-esque kind of person, right? So full of shit. Yeah, so full of shit. <laughs> but in this case, I don't think he's full of shit. He's got a lot of seemingly things that are to back it up, but... Um, I'm just going to read the news story. It's it's pretty short, but that's going to give us all the information we need. Um, so again, this is from InsiderGaming.com uh, from Tom Henderson. He says, exclusive Sony's next PlayStation handheld, 
which is a very exciting headline <laughs> to just see, right? And everybody's thinking Vita 2, but I don't think that's what we're going to get. So let's read it. Following days of speculation, Insider Gaming can report that there's a new PlayStation handheld in development. Codenamed the Q-Lite, the next PlayStation handheld is the next piece of Sony hardware that aims to be yet another piece of hardware that requires the PlayStation 5. Insider Gaming understands that the Q-Lite is not a cloud streaming device, but instead uses remote play with the PlayStation 5, a feature that the console giant has been pushing these past couple weeks. Sporting adaptive streaming up to 1080p and 60fps, the new device will require constant connectivity to the internet. As for the console's physical features, early prototypes show that the console will look a lot like a PlayStation 5 controller, but with a massive 8-inch LCD touchscreen in the center. The device will support adaptive triggers and haptic feedback, and will include what you would come to expect from a handheld. Volume button, speakers, audio input jack, etc. Insider Gaming understands that the Q-Lite is in its QA phase and is scheduled to release before the PlayStation 5 Pro and after the detachable disc drive PS5. As previously mentioned by Insider Industry, Industry Insider Jeff Grubb, Sony is planning to announce its second phase of the PS5 in quotes, which was in reference to its future game slate. Ironically, though, this second phase is very much true for Sony's hardware offerings with the new detachable disk drive, PlayStation 5, Project Nomad, which are apparent wireless hear- earphones, Project Voyager, which is a new wireless headset, and the Q-Lite handheld, all scheduled to be released in a very short time. What are your thoughts, Nick? Um, first, I just want to qualify <laughs> my Jeff Grubb comment is and Tom Henderson mm-hmm. is that I just don't I've never seen any of their rumors come true and it's not that I and, I'm, and to be honest I don't follow everything they say like I'm not sure. they're not like Shri, Schreier is and when I was listening to Schreier's podcast and following Schreier on Twitter that I could see when his things came true. Um, so I don't know if they've had rumors that come true. I just know last year Jeff Grubb got us all going on a Square Enix Sony acquisition, mm-hmm. and that never happened. I still think that's happening, though. <laughs> yeah, not to say that it could. It's yeah. It, yeah. Again, with this Activision Blizzard thing, that'll probably come to light if wherever this Activision Blizzard thing goes, then this will be announced. It'll be such a shit show. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so I just wanted to say that. Like, I, yeah. I, it's not that I just never seen any of the rumors come true. Sure. As you mentioned, as you read. Tom Henderson has been popping off about Sony hardware for a bit here, yeah. so and those haven't come true yet. So, but uh, back to the the hardware itself, you know, when I was reading it first, I was kind of disappointed because again, it's not a, a Vita two or anything. But I don't if it's priced correctly, I don't know a controller that I can play my PlayStation in bed. Mm-hmm. You know, it, and it has all the the haptic feedback and the buttons and everything. It just has a screen in the middle. That could be really good, or if for games could, they probably won't make use of it as kind of like a secondary screen. So I could have like I could be playing Resident Evil Four, and then I have my little attached case and that screen. And mm-hmm. even though I'm looking at the screen, I can look down cool. and, and play with my items and the quick items on the fly if it has a touch screen. Did you? I don't know if it does. It does. Okay. It does. Yeah. Um, so options like that could be fun. So I don't know. I. I kind of would be excited about this even if it isn't a permanent solution and I probably wouldn't be able to play this unless I was like you know on internet you know a really strong internet connection I think the messaging for this device is going to be tricky because (laughs) I think you're right I think there is a place for it but they have to be able to get the message across to the consumer that this is not 
a portable gaming machine mm -hmm. in the in the sense of a Switch or a 3DS. This is a device that's probably honestly meant to be used at home to allow people to use their PlayStation 5 when maybe it's already being taken up by another family member. Like I'm thinking of myself, right? right. It's like my son is if he's at home and you know he doesn't have to do his schoolwork, read or anything, he's usually probably watching YouTube or playing a game on PlayStation. And that's fine. But if there was a way for me to be able to connect to that and play a game like <laughs> while I'm sitting on the couch next, that would be the coolest thing ever. Right. So like, if there's a way for Sony to kind of tweak the tech to get it to fit in this weird little niche and price it appropriately, I agree. I think it could be cool. But uh -huh. I think most people are going to see this kind of headline and go wait, it's remote play and you have to be connected to the internet? That's, that's bullshit, I'm just gonna get a Switch or a Steam Deck. Mm -hmm. So doing it, you know, getting the messaging out correctly is important. Now, I have seen people say that as well, like it needs to be priced appropriately with people saying like, yeah, if it's like 50 or 60 bucks, I'll buy it. It's like, <laughs> dude, a controller is six, $65, 70 right. bucks like this. <laughs> I wouldn't, I mean, I would say 150 at the lowest end. If you're putting an eight inch touch, touch screen on it, you know, I that's think that's, a big ask. I think that's the it's low lead, end. Lead controller ask. It is. <laughs> but I mean, a lead controller is 200. I wouldn't or be surprised to see it 200. Side. Because like, yeah, again, if a controller is 70, they're probably not getting crazy margins on that. Probably a little bit and definitely better than the console, but not crazy. Like I just, I don't know. So yeah. it'll, it'll be something to keep our eyes on, but, um, you know, it is, it is rumored and, and, um, like you said, yeah, I mean, these Tom Anderson, Jeff Grubb are kind of the two biggest talkers with, with a lot hanging in the air right now. But I do, I personally do believe this because I think that this whole Activision Blizzard thing is just such a big deal that it's fucked up so much that I think Jeff Grubb probably did hear that Sony's buying Square Enix, but yeah, they can't say anything until then. Um, you know, Tom Henderson, I didn't comb his Twitter account like crazy, but the only thing I did see is he did call Counter-Strike 2 17 days before it showed. So oh, it's like, okay. so that is one thing, right? And it's like, you know, and he's got his own website. So he is one of the names, like when he says something, I do tend to, my ears will perk up. Um, a little more credibility than most people. Yeah, exactly. So he's, he's no Schreier. Okay. And I know like, you know, especially if, if he's the guy that you follow, like he is the man, like he does not say things until he has the reporting ready to go. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if that's your comparison, but um, needless to say, I do think this is true. I do think that we will... Do you think that we're going to get a, a pretty decent blowout at this supposed showcase? Or do you think that this is the, a little <laughs> further out? Because they're saying it's going to come out between the Pro and the disk drive thing, which if they're saying the Pro is next summer, you got to... Yeah, if the plan is for it to come out this year, then yeah, I would think yeah. it'd be at this showcase. This but, showcase is going to be huge. But, <laughs> like if they're going to include hardware into this thing. But they also have to sell the PSVR 2s, which the key is what we're about to talk about. So I yeah I don't I don't I don't know they might they might be silent on this till next year yeah or closer closer to Christmas time and then they might unveil it so we'll yeah see. I mean I will say with with all this it this type of of Sony does worry me a little bit where it seems like they're taking a lot of half measures and they're 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 kind of going all in without going all in right where. Yeah, we're going to make a remote play thing, but it's not probably what you want. Yeah, we're going to make a new <laughs> VR headset, but, you know, we'll get your games when you need them. And, you know, but also we're going to do a new headset and we're going to do a detachable drive and we're going to do a PS5 Pro. It's like, guys, 
<laughs> stick with a couple things, support them very strongly, and we're going to be behind you. But like, I just think of a lot of the past things, right? Sony's 3D TV, PS TV, PSP Go, uh, the iToy, the Move. Um, mm-hmm. You know, even you could argue the Vita and the original PSVR were kind of half supported initiatives. And so, if you're going to get behind these things, get behind these things. And as we're about to talk about into the next topic, I really worry that Sony is starting to spread its resources a little thin when it comes to what they can do, especially if they want to breach into this live surface world. And you're talking about like an overall price tag if you want to have a PlayStation 5, PSVR 2, uh, 3D Pulse headset, DualSense Edge, like, yeah. <laughs> like, like it's starting to get like accessory wise, just getting a little obnoxious, you know. Yeah, and, and I understand a company's want for their consumer to be bought into your ecosystem entirely. You know, you look at Apple. Apple is the the crown jewel of that type of thing. Mm-hmm. If you have an iPhone, you're probably getting an I- Apple Watch. If you have an Apple Watch, you're probably going to get AirPods. Like, it, it, it works, but. That's Apple. Like yeah. Sony's not Microsoft. So, <laughs> and this kind of leads into the next topic, right? And this is I want to talk a little bit, Nick, about where we stand with PSVR two, how it's been selling, and spoiler alert, it's not selling well. So, how can we fix this? Yeah, definitely a quiet topic on this show, and it's been out for two months. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I haven't gotten myself one yet, which you know is. <laughs> You know, kind of, kind of crazy because I am, I do consider myself one of the hardcore PlayStation people that will probably just buy whatever they put out. And so I want to start off the conversation initially that I think the economic reality of the world right now is it's just the worst time to release new hardware. And there's nothing that Sony can do about that. I think they had to decide we have to either release this now or we're not going to really be able to release it because the tech that we have in place is just, it's, it's good for now, but tech moves so fast and we need to get it out. So... I think there are some things at play that Sony has no control over that they're just going to have to suck up and, you know, accept the reality of. But Bloomberg did just kind of um, release some, a piece, and this is estimates, right? This hasn't been confirmed by Sony. This is what they've kind of gleaned through third-party research firms and things like that. Um, But they have published saying that the PSVR 2 may sell around 270,000 units from its February 2022 release date to the end of March, which is about a five week period. There is no direct comparison to that, but just to kind of show what the first one did, um, the first official number that we got from Sony was it sold 915,000 units between October 2016 and February 2017, about four months or 16 weeks. So not apples to apples, but it's definitely not outpacing it, especially when you consider that the front end of these launches are gonna be way, way more top heavy, right? Mm -hmm. That's, That's where you sell most of the things, so. Um, not doing so hot so far. And this is also, you know, if you remember, I don't know if you do, Nick, or I don't think we were doing the podcast around them, but Sony initially said that their plan was to ship about 2 million of these things in this first year. It's not even close to that. <laughs> they revised that saying we're aiming for about a million. Not looking good there either. And so it's just like, I think a lot of consumers are probably looking at this thing and going, Sony, how are you going to respond? You know, you already got the most hardcore, the people that want to support you are in. How are you going to support them? And if they do not have, like there is no roadmap for this thing right now. We don't know right. what's coming. I mean, we, they had a, honestly a pretty good launch lineup, but who we don't know what's coming. Who wants to make a game right now? If, I, if you're not Sony, who wants to make a game for something that only has 300,000 copies out there and maybe 10%, what if 10% buys your game? Exactly. I mean, you know? It, it's a it's a huge risk. It's a huge sunken cost. You're probably not going to make your money back if you're a third-party developer. So that leads to the question, how do you support this thing? 
And if you're Sony, do you take the resources you had? I said earlier, I think Sony's starting to get a little thin with the resources they have. It's like, do you dedicate a large portion of your first party team to support this thing, to develop games for this thing? to make it viable, to grow it the way you need to? Or do you say, I, we're gonna make our money and make for PS5? So I have a couple thoughts. And so Jim Ryan, if you're listening, you know, give me a call. <laughs> but, um, and, and, pay and, me. And, these, yeah, and these, you know, may be completely unviable. I don't know the behind the scenes discussions of, you know, between Gabe Newell and Jim Ryan, right? But I think one of the biggest things that you could do to get this thing viable is figure out a way to sell it on PC which I know goes against a lot of... Um, Do you think that's not already in the plan? I don't know. It, 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 I hope it is because, I mean, Sony has made a big push into the PC space lately. You know, they bought Nixes, which is a team that um, does PC ports ex exclusively, I believe. Um, they're pushing all their games onto PC after they've been out for a little bit. So yeah. I think they're warming up to that space. And if they can find a way to get the drivers and things that they need in to get onto PC, I think you can have your cake and eat it too a little bit because you can automatically get into Steam if if Valve is on board, right? I don't know if they need a buttload of money, if they need a cut of every sale, whatever the case, but if you wanna make this thing viable, get it there, then you immediately have access to Steam's VR library. Assume, assuming that you know the paperwork is signed and things you need. That means Half-Life Alex. that means any of those games that are not on PSVR. You could theoretically, this might be touchy and could piss people off, so I don't know if this would be the right move, but if you if you wanted to maintain that PlayStation exclusivity, that you could still publish games that are only compatible with the device. I think that would be a bad move, but it is a way to kind of protect your exclusivity. But I don't think they need that anymore. I, don't, I think... But then, and you could also port Call of the Mountain to PC yeah. and have an audience there. Yeah, but I, I think VR is in a position where... There are two key, demographics isn't the right word, but markets of the VR space, and that is the MetaQuest, the completely portable, completely wire-free, a little less robust, a little more value side, and then there's the high-end, dedicated PC, MetaQuest Pro, $1,500 device, PSVR 2 land. And I think if you were able to strike a deal, you could fucking just corner that PC market to a T. The tech inside the PSVR 2 is every bit as good as the MetaQuest Pro. Mm -hmm. Maybe a little bit less, but this is, we're talking $1,500 versus 550. Um, and I think you need to make a move like this to make this thing have a lasting impact because I gotta be honest, if I was if I was Sony, I would say no, man. Like we need more first party games. Like that is the that is the war that's being fought between Game Pass and PlayStation right now. That's where that's where the war is. Like everything else kind of doesn't really like it matters, but let's just be let's get rid of that notion of being anti-consumer. Let's get rid of that. <laughs> if we put this thing out and say like guys on PC have at it, like we figured out the drivers, I think that would immediately think of all the porn you can watch. All the porn, dude. <laughs> All my Sony diapers, you know, my Sony haptic diapers. Um, but it needs something like this because I'm going to be honest. I think without a major move like that, I think I think it's going to die. I think it's going to because even the PSVR one had a lot of support in the front end. And by the end, by the end of that thing, every NPD was Job Simulator, Beat Saber, uh, Vader Immortal. Um, yeah, it's the same things every single week. I mean, we'll see what this this supposed Sony showcase has. I mean, they could they could definitely turn things around if they have a big next second half of the year. 
Half-Life It's got to look real good. Like, <laughs> Half-Life Alex is obviously the one that everybody keeps mentioning. We mention it here on the show. John, but even John always mentions it. But even Half-Life Alex is like a 10-hour experience. Like, right. It no, might get, it would have to be a lot more. Yeah. You know, a new AstroBot game would be awesome as well. But, like, I think they're almost... You know, like, I don't know. Hey, we just partnered with the NFL. If you subscribe to PlayStation Extra, you have access to this thing that lets you watch your favorite team <laughs> like their games. Or there has to be something of that to get people excited, to get people ready to invest in this thing because it is, the economic realities are so tough right now. Like, they just, they, yeah, they, they came out at a bad time, but. And, and Sony is still on this, keeping their cards close to their vest. And I don't know if that's because of the Activision Blizzard thing still going on or because they're planning on having just one fucking crazy-ass showcase. Yeah. That, yeah, it's just that their silence kills any momentum for PSVR 2 because there's nothing really to talk about. Now, next week, we are getting another batch of PlayStation Plus Extra Premium games. I mean... Be nice to hear some PSVR two games get added to that. That'd be another great little thing, yeah, a little, <laughs> little goodwill. But, but yeah, like you said, I think they they gotta they gotta encourage some other people to buy units. And yeah, I think you know if announcing some kind of PC compatibility would be would get a lot of people to buy in because if you're talking about premium products, you know people that build PCs they they're all for that. So yeah, you know, five hundred dollar headsets, nothing to a graphics card, right? So. It's just so interesting because I feel like I am this like golden goose in this situation where it's like I am the guy they're trying to get right now, right? <laughs> I am the dedicated PlayStation guy mm-hmm. who will entertain the idea of buying everything that you make. You have to give me a reason why. And if you don't have a reason for me yet, and granted I am a man that you know doesn't have the most disposable income in the world and economic times are hard and things like that. But like I'll move funds around if, it's, if you give me a reason to do it. Right. And... I don't know if I mean one game. One game is probably enough for me, but like there, there just has to be a way to get the diehards into this. And yeah, well, when to, when this showcase is announced, this will be a big part of it. Is how will how they people feel after bring that bring momentum to PSVR two and what we predict they will do to do that. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of a bummer this thing is out, and it's just as as our listeners know, we don't even talk about it. So yeah. the other thing I'll mention, and I, I looked for some articles on this, and I couldn't find any. But my favorite podcast, as I've said, is Sacred Symbols, which is with Colin Moriarty, and he is a he's been in the industry for a long time. He used to be the editor in chief at IGN, knows has a lot of connections into the industry. He mentioned on last week's episode that there is an initiative at PlayStation for the hybrid game which is effectively trying to develop a game that will work on both, right? You think Resident Evil Village, you think, I don't know, you could probably even do Astrobot in that way. But if they can figure out a viable way or if they have a team within each first party that is like kind of working on that, if you can have a way, this is the holy grail, I think, that they, if they can hit it, I don't know how you could do it because some experiences simply would not work. But if you can develop more hybrid games that work on both, that is... The, that's the best thing you could possibly do because you're you're going to have a two for one every kill two birds with one stone every single release and you're going to get way more people into it and so if that's a yeah. real thing which I don't see a reason why he would say it wasn't um, that could be something to look you know to, to keep an eye on and, and hope that they can figure out a way because like you know they bought Insomniac Insomniac's one of those rare teams that does both very well they, they know how to do both um, so I think they have a lot of strategic purchases in the past five years to maybe help get towards that. But um, if they can figure out a way to let me play 
I don't know what a good example is. I mean, Gran Turismo is obviously a great example, but even if it's not every maybe game, like, if it's a lot well, of them. Think of like Ghost of Tsushima, maybe? Yeah. Like a first-person samurai wielding, mm-hmm. you know, the platforming might be a little Ooh, tricky. But I got one. MLB The Show. Oh, that would be huge. You know, I that mean, even be it'd, be, it'd be hard to do specific, like an entire game in the show because I don't know how you would simulate running on a field. Like, you know, if you're the no, hitter, I like think a, you would just be you'd pitch, have to like hand pitching, do, and, pitching and hitting. Yeah. But even that, if done well, would be huge. That'd the be hitting good. part would be sweet. Hitting part would be, I would do home run derby all day long. <laughs> like, if they can, if they can, like, get it close to. Yeah, to like I was a big baseball player for I played for 15 years. If they can at least scratch like a 50th, like a half half of how it feels normally, like that'd be awesome. Yeah, you know I want to I want to hit off Shohei Otani. Be sweet. <laughs> so um, yeah, I, but I, I think I do think the time is now. It's still very early in the life of this thing, but for some reason it feels like the clock is already ticking. Which is not a good feeling to have. Well, if they do have this rumored showcase in May, that's that's good timing. To just yes. again get their whole all their we're, brands. We're out at there. the point, Nick, that if they don't, <laughs> I mean, we've been at this point for a while, but I would be flabbergasted if they do not have a, a showcase, you know, in this spring summer area. So. Uh, so is someone saying DEFCON level? Hmm? Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> no, not yet. I, I think it would be crazy to think that it's going to be anything before, like, end of May. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, so rooting for you, PSVR 2. I think I think the tech is great. Anybody who's ever played one, I, every time they take it off, they go, that was amazing, and they want to keep playing. But you just have to get people Not to get back into that argument. Also, the people that we know that have a PSVR 2 aren't really talking about it either. So yeah. not, they're not, like, coming to that us. That is with, true. Like, yeah. The, uh, so. yeah. Even, you know, the guys that we, that we work with, I mean, I haven't heard them talk about it in a while. Yeah. So, so. it is a bummer. But the tech is cool. So porn... NFL deal and uh, uh, Sony haptic underpants. That's how you fix it. <laughs> yeah. Get on PC. Yeah. <laughs> One way to fix it, but sure. Uh, yeah, we'll see. All right. So that is six things. We did it again, John. No way, bro. <laughs> so uh, to tease for next week, it'll be more Elden Ring and Persona Five for sure. Uh, well, maybe John will have some Resident Evil 4. Maybe he'll, he'll have a different thought on it. I am curious to hear what you think about it. I am too, and, to and I'm wondering if, like, because from what you said where it's just like, I didn't remember the story beats and then all of a sudden I did. Yeah. I'm wondering if that same thing's going to happen. My, my, my memory is half as good as yours. Like, you know, I'll, I'll play something the night before and go, I, I don't know what I did. So yeah. well, we're I talking about something that came out in 05, so right. I think you're forgiven. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but I'm wondering if there will, like, I will remember, I think, some moments, like, the big trolls and, and like I said, the guys with, like, the Wolverine claws in the castle, but, like, I don't remember who Salazar is or what, like, he's just a little dude running around being crazy. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited to see it, and I've heard, I've heard Ashley's cool. I've heard Ada sucks, but unfortunately, you know, hopefully don't attack the actress since that's happening right now, of course. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, and uh, again, I'll play yeah, with my son. Yeah, we'll have. A, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's probably one of the. He, yeah, he. No, no, my my wife would murder me. <laughs> and I, yeah, he. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, and then again, yeah, it'll be the week before the third Tuesday. So sorry, I just it's just funny because I know you're not a dad, Nick, but as a dad. You just have so many moments where you go like, oh, yeah, you wouldn't know that. Or you wouldn't have never experienced that. Yeah. I, just, I just picture the first time you shoot somebody's head off and, like, one of the parasites explodes <laughs> out. Like, ah! 
<laughs> That's true. Uh, that is pretty like, freaky. Yeah. So. <laughs> and, and even in the game, it builds that that point up. You know, you can see it happening on a shadow of a person. So you're like, whoa, what yeah. happened? But, yeah. you know, <laughs> I know what happened. So it was not a big deal. So Yeah, I, was, I, I tried to show him the, the tiger scene or the uh, jungle scene in RRR, and he just... He was like, Dad, this is too intense. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you'd think it was really cool. <laughs> My bad. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, the April PlayStation Plus Extra games will be announced next week. So that'll be something to talk about. We're actually going to try something different with how we cover those next week. So that is something to look forward to. And then, yeah, we keep going on. There will be more news, more topics, more everything. How's your, uh, how's your Jedi Survivor hype level? Uh, it's really fucking high. Uh, today, high. as we're recording, is Star Wars Day. And, uh, they're having Star Wars Celebration in London right now. There was a bunch of brand new trailers. Shockingly, no news yet about Jedi Survivor. But, I don't need to. I mean, but yeah, that fevered hype. That, yeah, it's, that game looks incredible. All the impressions were very high on it. So That'll be a, that'll be a game of the year contender for sure. Yeah, and it's, it, I can't wait. So Cool. All right, so song that we're leaving you on, another Persona 5 song. It's going to be Colors Flying High this time. This will make Lynn the most played artist on PlayStation Pals. <laughs> Within the span of like four weeks. <laughs> yeah. So uh, enjoy the song. Again, the soundtrack's incredible. She's incredible. I love her so much. Yeah, so enjoy the song, and then we will be back next week with six more things. Bye, guys. See ya. See ya.